In this new podcast series, the podcast team has partnered with Viewpoints to discuss some of the most pressing issues at UChicago. As always, I'm Isaac Krakoka. I'm Ron Balasubramanian. And I'm Biza Desta. All of our audio was recorded on Zoom, so we do thank you for your patience. But anyways, I think we should just jump right on in. With this new normal, the university has unveiled some of its preliminary plans for both housing next year and the fall quarter in general. Beza, you have some information on the correspondence between the university and the students, correct? Yeah, totally. So on the last day of June, the college released the long-awaited plans for fall quarter of 2020. As expected, classes will start on September 29th with the professional school like the law school, Booth School of Business and Pritzker School of Medicine uh, starting a little bit earlier. The method of instruction until November 30 is going to be a mix of both in-person and online classes, but there are still some uncertainties due to the evolving condition of the pandemic. While many will include both methods of instruction, some I'm afraid are going to be fully remote. And pertaining to on-campus research, the university has already begun to bring researchers back to campus through a phased approach starting from June 15, and this will continue throughout the academic year. But I guess the information we were most eager to find out about was housing. According to this email sent by President Zimmer and Provost Lee, the college will provide undergraduate housing in university resident halls with occupancy reduced from full capacity by approximately 40% for autumn quarter to help maintain health and safety guidelines by making standard dormitories and dormitory apartments single occupancy. And even with the 40% reduction, the college will be able to accommodate all first-year students and a subset of returning college students. And for the rest of the student body, uh, the university will provide contact information and other details for rental agencies um, to rent out off-campus housing. Similarly, for dining purposes, seating capacity at dining commons will be reduced by about 75% for the autumn quarter, and most meals will be prepared for uh, takeaway. In-person dining will be offered at a limited number of locations with the elimination of self-service options and extended hours to help reduce density at any given time. And this is all the information that we got from this email that we received from President Zimmer and Provost Lee. But Dean Boyer quickly followed up with another email clarifying certain things and adding a little more information. One was that the requirement for a class of 2023 to remain on campus for six quarters was suspended. So second years uh, for the time being are allowed to opt out of on-campus housing. And all cafeterias will be open with a focus on takeaway meals. On the first week of instruction, uh, even though your classes may be in person, starting from September 29th to October 5th will be remote. A certain information about O-Week was also mentioned in, in this email sent by Dean Boyer, but has further been updated during the town hall held on July 7th, which will be clarified later on by Isaac and Ron. Move-in day has been stretched out over a week due to the pandemic. 
uh, and everyone has to be on campus by September 24 for, for coronavirus testing and start quarantining starting from September 25. And yes, they have considered the possibility of certain people testing positive and they have prepared a location for these people to be relocated. And Isaac and Ram, I'm aware that you have been able to receive more information from the town hall on July 7th. Yeah, that's right, Beza. Dean Boyer addressed incoming students, returning students, and families. He and eight of his colleagues discussed the plan for returning. Provost Kai Lee prefaced the discussion by emphasizing that the University of Chicago wanted to maintain its academic rigor despite the new structural format, and the university wants as many college students on the campus in the fall as possible. And additionally, Provost Lee stated that prioritization for in-person classes will be given to these classes that the incoming students need to take, such as Hume sequences. So the next person to speak was Dr. Emily Landon, who is an epidemiologist with the University of Chicago Medicine. She opened her discussion by describing how Illinois is doing a lot better than other states, um, and that the University of Chicago Medicine in particular has been doing very well in the treatment of COVID with no doctors getting sick as a result of their treatment of patients. Um, but despite all this, she did explain that precautions would need to exist as students return to campus, such as mandatory facial coverings and social distancing. Following Dr. Landon, the Deputy Dean of Students, Regine Enusen, discussed orientation and what campus programming would look like in the fall. Firstly, as Beza alluded to, orientation and O-Week are being rebranded. It will be broken into three parts for incoming students. There will be online orientation that will be held from September 8th through September 24th. Any on-campus orientation after move-in will be concluded on September 29th, and all welcome week activities that would have happened during orientation will happen during the first week of class. Any online training during orientation will be available on campus, and this includes all of the coronavirus health testing orientation measures that the university has established. Additionally, the university told those in the town hall that incoming students will have a chance to form housing communities with continued programming. Finally, Dean Enusen emphasized that the orientation office is the primary resource for students concerning the orientation experience and that anyone should feel free to contact with any questions. So the next person to speak was Jay Ellison, who is the Dean of Students in the college, and he essentially went over the college's academic plans for the upcoming quarter. He mentioned that courses would be tagged with the designation of being in-person, hybrid, or remote during pre-registration, which is going to be in August. And he also mentioned that some of U Chicago's international campuses, such as the Hong Kong campus, would be open for international students who are unable to remain in the United States or are unable to come back into the United States. And there are more details to come. Dean Ellison also mentioned the importance of keeping in contact with your academic advisor during this period. He mentioned that it is discouraged to take a leave of absence or a gap year as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. But if you do choose to do that, then you should be in touch with your academic advisor and discuss your plans. Following Dean Ellison, Christopher Wilde, the master of the Humanities Collegiate Division, discussed what the education next fall would look like and how it will be similar to the spring, but as he put it, much better. One of the most significant changes to education and housing that Christopher Wilde discussed was the plans for 
incoming first years and their choice of humanities sequence. He emphasized that all incoming students should express their Hume sequences early. Students will be assigned housing in the university based on these core course interests. And the whole point of this is to foster education connection communities in housing that might be more difficult given the coronavirus. For returning students, Christopher Wilde said that departments have been working to augment existing courses to create what he called course bundles. And we should be expecting more information for both the amendments to the Hume sequence, course bundles, and how these pertain to housing soon. So the next person to talk was Richard Mason, who is Assistant Vice President for Campus Life. And a lot of the information that he described has either already been disseminated in emails or has already been discussed by Beza. But he did mention that all rising second years who requested housing would be accommodated this upcoming year. So that's very good. And he mentioned that most of the guidance from housing and residence life staff, so RDs, RHs, and RAs, would come through virtual means at first, and then in person once things become more safe. Uh, he quickly mentioned the that there would be a robust self-serving program in the dining halls that places a lot of focus on coming in, taking your meals, and leaving. Um, and he says that this program would be designed in a way to prevent crowding. And finally, he mentioned that financial aid has been expanded for students to consider increased housing costs that they may face. Following Richard Mason, Michelle Rasmussen, Dean of Students, talked about the UChicago Health Pact. This is intended to prevent the spread of COVID-19. She said that it is mostly common sense, and it includes facial coverings, social distancing, and self-monitoring of symptoms. Additionally, all students will be able to report positive COVID-19 tests, as Beza was alluding to before. Students in resident halls will be part of a mandatory COVID-19 testing program, and additionally, a mandatory quarantine program upon arriving at campus. Again, as Beza was saying, relocation facilities for self-isolation will be afforded, and this does include food delivery, so you do not have to leave this area at all. Finally, a full complement of health and wellness services will be afforded to students no matter the geographical location. She emphasized mental health resources, including teletherapy, wellness programs, and psychiatric services that will be offered both remotely and in person. Again, she said more information on all of this will be coming soon. So the last person to speak was Jim Nondorf, who is Dean of Admissions, and his discussion was really more of a pep talk. Uh, where he described that he was talking with professional schools and explained that they like to see the quality of resilience. And he said that he wanted us to use COVID as an opportunity to display our best qualities to potential employers and graduate schools. Again, that was Beza, Ram, and Isaac getting you up to date on the news section of this episode. Now... I'm very excited to hand over the rest of the discussion to Ruby Rorty and Viewpoints. Thank you so much, Isaac and Beza and Ram and the, the whole news team for putting together that segment. Uh, my name is Ruby Rorty. I'm the head editor of the Viewpoints section at the Maroon. And now we're going to get into a conversation about housing with two student experts on housing issues at UChicago. Um, we'll be having a conversation about Housing East Chicago this fall, drawing from our guest expertise in both housing administration and community organizing. I'm going to have our two guests introduce themselves, but first we have some updates about housing this fall that have come to light since the news team recorded that first segment you just heard. Um, so Isaac, can you tell us just a little bit about those updates? Thanks, Ruby. 
The University of Chicago was able to afford all students who are on the wait list a spot in on-campus housing for this upcoming school year. In addition, they have partnered with Olympia Hotel Management to create more student housing plans for the upcoming school year. Students will be able to stay in hotel rooms at one student per room at a monthly flat rate. The rate for the Hyatt Place Hotel is $2,300 per month, and the rate for the Sophie Hotel is $3,000 per month. In comparison, the room rate for the 2020-2021 school year is around $3,472 per quarter, which is approximately $1,352 per month for a regular 11-week quarter. In comparison to off-campus living, the average rent for a one-bedroom apartment in Hyde Park was around $1,679 per month. Great. Uh, now that we're up to speed, let's get to know our guests. Uh, Amara, can you go first and tell us a little bit about who you are and your background in UChicago Housing? Yeah. Hi, I'm Amara. I'm a fourth year at UChicago. I'm studying public policy. And I was an RA last year in Crown House. I lived in Strongin for my first two years and then decided that becoming an RA would be a really fun opportunity. Awesome. Um, Lauren, can you do the same? Just a little intro? Sure. Uh, hi, my name's Lauren. I am a recent graduate of UChicago and uh, I work with an organization called Mac Tenants United. We help uh, Mac tenants come together and uh, hold Mac apartments accountable for their effects on the community. And for a little context, can you tell us who, who Mac are and what role they play in Hyde Park? Sure. Uh, Mac Apartments is a property management company, which means basically that they're the landlords for a, uh, a large percentage of uh, Hyde Park apartments. And the tenants include, you know, current students, former students, as well as families and community members who just live and exist in Hyde Park and Woodlawn. Awesome. So to kick us off, uh, can you both give us just an initial response to the admin's decision making so far? What do you think UChicago has done well with regards to housing? What have they done poorly? And uh, what decisions should students be looking out for on the horizon? I think that the uh, decision to have first years be in bubbles with their Hume classes uh, and pair that with housing was honestly probably a good choice. While I wouldn't necessarily... I, I can't necessarily imagine myself living with my Hume class as my house. I do think that it is going to be their best chance at building house culture. I really think that just thinking about how I spend so much time having people be together in the same space to build house culture, it's going to be really difficult to do that. So by having additional opportunities for them to get in-person interaction, I think that that was a really good call. I hadn't even heard about it. The decision, uh, uh, that decision on Hume classes. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, personally, I think that the university should have probably kept classes online. <laughs> um, uh, and as, as much as it hurts to like say that the US is just like not in a place right now where it's incredibly safe to have kids do in-person classes probably for the next year. However, when it comes to the reality that like some classes will be in person, something that people should look out for is that there might, there's probably going to be a minor housing crisis coming back to Hyde Park, just because all of those upperclassmen and perhaps second years who assumed they were going to be on campus now no longer have room. They've been like 
released to the streets, <laughs> if you will. Um, so unfortunately, that leaves a little bit of scarcity uh, in Hyde Park, and that's really going to affect the housing market here, which is something I'm a little worried about. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that as someone who is now trying to find housing um, outside of Chicago. It was really difficult, and I don't think Chicago really responded well in terms on that side of it. Like there was, there were very few resources that were given to students who were kicked out of housing. Um, they had this little spreadsheet about places to look, and you look on there, and there was nothing. Nothing. Oh, there was there were two lecture hotels. If you wanted to pay more than you were actually paying in housing, um, students are able to be in a luxury hotel, hotel in Hyde Park, which I thought was just a bizarre, <laughs> bizarre decision on the part of the admin. Like, I, it's kind of creative as a problem solving metric, but it was just like no one asked for it, no one wanted it. I was I, I was really tickled by that um, and by the the Hume pod decision. I can't imagine uh, living with all the full per kids. That sounds exhausting. The uh. I'm not aware of any response f on this front from the university, but is the university giving like housing stipends? Not that I'm aware of. There might be some support for people who have on financial aid, but for people who are just like normally in housing, like third and fourth years who weren't on financial aid, it was just like, okay, now you don't have housing anymore. But in all Fairness, honestly, that housing is pretty expensive at U Chicago, so it's not a huge cost differential. Yeah, my understanding is that there have been stipends historically provided for low-income students who move off campus um, to live off campus, and I believe those were expanded in the wake of the pandemic. Okay. But we can check that afterwards. But I, I don't think that there has been financial support for non-low-income students. And honestly, I haven't heard much, but would be interested to hear about the university's response to folks whose financial situations are really impacted by the pandemic and whether they're been able to navigate financial aid or receive financial aid, even if they weren't before. And so that's probably a whole nother podcast, but definitely an interesting <laughs> yeah, topic. Really. Lauren, I wanted to take what you just said a bit further and to ask you a little bit more about the ripple effects that you're describing from UChicago admins decisions into the Hyde Park and Southside communities. What kind of impact do you think that the university's decisions so far might have on the housing market and especially on non-university affiliated tenants who, you know, are sort of, mm -hmm. I don't know, unfairly impacted or, or, or fairly or whatever, but impacted by university decision making? You know, as kids start to fly back and suddenly need to find housing, the thing that really worries a lot of people who I've talked to, a lot of community members, is that like, people who are affiliated with the university just have more access to, to put it bluntly, money. And all these people who were living in university housing now are competing with people who have families and children. There's a lot of fear that people will start to be pushed out of the neighborhood because Mac apartments, and I guess all the property managers of Hyde Park don't really have an incentive to freeze rent or to cancel rent because university students are going to be more likely to pay, even in the wake, uh, wake of the pandemic. Yeah, that's, well, that's interesting because I know that you've probably worked with students and organized students around rent, but it's complicated when students are both people who are impacted by student decisions or by admin decisions and struggle to find housing, but also can be a force that has negative effects for other people in the community. So they are negatively yeah. impacted and cause negative impacts. I imagine that's complicated. 
Yeah, and that's a big, I think that's a big fear among a lot of Chicago students and is one of the reasons why they don't um, say anything against the university because then it's like, oh, I'm not being accepted or like assimilating into what the university wants me to be, but I'm also, I can't assimilate into what the community wants me to be because I am going to go to school here because I'm paying money to go to school here. Right, Um, and for many of us, a lot of, like some people are paying a lot of money and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thankfully, actually, uh, a group of students reached out to me once this happened uh, because they know I work with MAC tenants um, and finally starting to organize around housing issues as well as, you know, UCPD. A lot more students are speaking up against the uh, administration, which I'm very proud of them. Yeah, it's interesting. And and I guess, in my opinion, cool to see those issues collide and people getting organized around multiple issues and coalitions of students that have built around housing or care not cops or mutual aid sort of come together. Um, to take it back to, to campus and to Amara for a second, Amara, you were an RA, but you're not anymore. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. If you were going to RA this year, considering the the danger that is posed by the coronavirus and the danger that residents might be if they don't social distance. Do you think that the role of the RA would change? Would RAs be in a more punitive role? And would you sort of anticipate taking that role if you if you were still an RA? So that's been a big topic of conversation among the RAs. Um, there's this really big concern that suddenly we're just going to become like niches, essentially, where we just go around saying, oh, you can't hang out in that space. Oh, there's too many of you in this room. And it's really hard to build a relationship with residents if you feel like they're just worried that you're going to be telling on them all the time. They're not going to want to tell you about what's going on with them or like any parties that were happening because now they can get in trouble for that. And so housing is not afraid to give RAs roles that RAs are not comfortable with. And I think that that might, I I can't say for certain, um, I haven't heard what housing is specifically planning for the RAs, but I think RAs are going to be put into a lot of uncomfortable positions this year where they're going to be trying to play both the role of um, the friend and someone who their residents can trust, but then they're also going to be placed in this position of, no, you're an employee and need to make sure people are following the rules. And I I really see that being very emotionally difficult for a lot of RAs, um, especially because the RAs will already be facing a lot of challenges in terms of being in a space that's really a recipe for disaster, (laughs) in my opinion. I don't see how housing is going to go well. Like, you stuff a ton of kids, uh, especially first years, who are desperate to make friends, really, and aren't going to be following rules. They're just going to do what it takes to have their first year be what they imagine it to be. So RAs are going to be put in this really dangerous position, and they're not going to want to see their friends because then they're at risk of putting their friends in danger. And I'm just really worried about all of them, honestly. I I know some have quit because, well, honestly, it goes beyond the risk. Housing, Housing's reaction and support for the RAs has been half-hearted at best. The, the role of the VPAs will continue. I mean, I, I don't feel like that's a big secret. Not for what everyone. Is, what is the VPA? Right. That's a virtual programming assistant. We had those last quarter um, during the spring s- quarter. 
and that was that was really challenging for a lot of people it's hard to get a lot of involvement when people are just trying to like connect over zoom and some RAs were kind of forced into that position again this quarter or really for this year and that caused a lot of unrest also a lot of RAs are just realizing the risks associated with this so take care of your RAs this year <laughs> like they're going to need just as much support <laughs> yeah well and I, I remember being sort of like sold on you Chicago housing in part by being told that RAs were not you know enforcing curfews busting up parties in the same way that they are at other schools that there's has been in the past an effort to make UChicago a place where RAs aren't punitive characters and where they're able to really support. And, and it feels like that's kind of a, a core tenet of house culture. And so that's that's definitely a strange turnaround. To get into sort of a specific, and I, it's perfectly fine if, if you don't have this answer because I realize that it may be that Robert Zimmer also doesn't know, but I was wondering if you, I guess, uh, if you have any sense of how RAs will be approaching sex education and sex safety in the dorms this fall, it's a topic that I've been interested in just because I know that we've historically, you know, provided free contraceptives to students, but now, you know, UChicago hookup culture goes from being a meme to being something that poses very real risk to our students. Do you know if RAs will be asked to mitigate hookup culture or is that something that's been discussed at all? I don't know. But I will say that historically, it has not really fallen to the RAs to even work on that. It's often fallen to the wellness stars who are on who are part of House Council. For that reason, I feel like that part of creating a safe culture and environment has really fell through the cracks. Like assigning that to just some student who isn't being paid to make sure this is happening. Sometimes it goes well. Some kids, some people are really invested in having safe sex and ensuring that the whole community understands how to have safe relationships. And that's great because then they'll bring in groups. It's very different than during a pandemic, right? Like you yeah. can't come, have someone come in and do demonstrations in the house lounge. It's not going to be a focus because there's going to be so much of a focus on just general health and being safe that I think that housing is just going to be hoping that no one has sex. And that's what they're going to rely on. They're like, maybe if we don't provide condoms, they won't have sex. That's what I imagine is going to happen. But who knows? Maybe they'll be more realistic. I just, I remember like first year, you were talking about first year's breaking rules. And that like, to me, climbing on roofs or like being out late or going to my first college parties was such a joy of first year and such a joy of independence. And so it's, I'm sorry to hear that first years are tasked with like, willfully sacrificing that just to keep themselves and each other safe. Yeah, that's that's really frustrating. Sorry to just switch back and forth between you guys. But um, Lauren, given your work with Hyde Park residents and Amara, given your experience doing orientation trainings and introducing students to campus and to Chicago, what advice do you have for students as they come back to Hyde Park? There's likely to be you know active Black Lives Matter protests as well as the pandemic and an, an economic downturn. So how can you Chicago students be both responsible members of the UChicago community in terms of protecting each other, their professors, employees, and not getting each other sick, but also responsible citizens of Hyde Park and Chicago um, in terms of engaging with the community, going to local businesses, participating in um, discourse around social justice? What advice would you have for people about going out into Hyde Park and Chicago? That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, It's going to be really hard this year. <laughs> I imagine that pods are going to become hugely important. I mean, 
I think a lot of people experience this that where during a week you kind of find a few people and maybe you feel like you're best friends for a week and then a month later you have been spoken to them in a very long time. But those pods, I think, are going to become in a way more important and have longer have a longer impact where you're going to have to just bond with those people and you won't be meeting as many people. So there's not this chance to connect as much. And so kind of settling for a pod initially and recognizing that maybe that isn't your final pod and using that as a way to explore Hyde Park. Like you sh- honestly should not be going with 20 people to any restaurant in Hyde Park, um, but getting takeout from some of the restaurants and bringing it back to your room and, as a way to get to know someone or walking along Lakeshore, if that's open, I'm not sure if that's open at that, at this point, but when it opens, just exploring the outdoor spaces, because there's a lot Hyde Park has to offer in terms of being outdoors, but yeah, it's just going to be, it's going to be tough. I don't know. That's such a great point. And like the, the best advice I can give on top of that is just to remind people that unfortunately it's a very unfortunate situation but it's you know at its best going to be one year out of a four-year experience and if you you kind of have to stay inside for your first year I'm so so sorry that it was your first year and like the most formative year of your college experience but if we all work together and do our part then second year will be just as lit Um, in terms of like what I can advice for as a community member it would just be to you know stay aware stay aware of what the university is doing and how the way you move through Hyde Park affects people who are not affiliated with the university or are affiliated but not students I would say like there are there's staff here who like kind of have to work with us in a really dangerous situation because it's their job so staying uh politically aware but also um just remembering that there are other people in Hyde Park too. And the whole thing about trying to stop the spread of the coronavirus is to protect people who are very vulnerable to it. So people who have those essential jobs, people who might be serving your coffee, you're not just exposing you and all your friends, you're exposing people who have jobs to do um, and need to feed their families. So just continue staying safe and keeping others safe. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that a little bit with um, organizing tenants who, you know, have families and are supporting families, whereas students are coming in with a lot of sort of like independent wealth and, and living alone um, and that differential. And I imagine that applies also with COVID is that we're in a community of largely people who are older than the average student, which means they're more at risk from coronavirus, live in households where that spread could be really dangerous. Um, and so that's that seems really important to be aware of and and similarly with employees oh particularly I'm thinking about like the janitors because I I worked at Ex Libra so I have like a good rapport with a lot of people who work on the campus and please please they're going to be cleaning up constantly after everyone else so just continue to be kind and courteous to the staff because they are going to be on high alert for the next literal probably 36 months. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's worth pointing out, I don't believe we've heard anything from the university about safety precautions that they will take for cleaning staff specifically or um, how they plan to keep employees safe. And so I think 
that's something to hopefully keep an eye out for and um, maybe pressure the university on, which, which brings me to the next question. I just asked about advice you have for students in keeping the community safe, but also engaging responsibly. Do you guys have, say, say Robert Zimmer runs out of Pod Save America and his true crime podcasts, which he probably doesn't listen to. That's just me. Um, and he decides to turn on this podcast. What would you want to tell him? I guess he's now our outgoing president, but he'll still be around this fall. What would you ask of him in terms of making housing at U Chicago on and off campus better for students during the pandemic? This might be a very radical idea, but it's something I've brainstormed a little bit with my friends. They have so many buildings. I really never understood why they had to kick everyone off when they still have Stony Island. They still have the Breckenridge, like, apartments or whatever those are. And they, I think they could get the McLean ones back. They, there is housing available that they own. So I think, really, they didn't really... It felt like they didn't think through their options so much in terms of keeping people on campus because shoving a lot of people off campus was really hard. They worked so hard to build this strong house culture and it really worked for a lot of people. I, I A lot of people in Strong and I know were planning on returning as fourth years to the house and they, everyone had to move off. And they really could have done so much with saying, okay, well, all the upperclassmen are going to go to these dorms where they're not really going to worry about like having RAs and stuff, they'll just kind of take care of themselves, but they could have at least kept us together in a way because the hardest part as a fourth year going back is that now I'm not really going to get to see most of my friends. I've spent three years building these relationships and now I have my pod of my two friends and that's going to be my friendships for the year. Like I don't, I don't want to put other people at risk. And so that's the steps that I'm taking and I'm worried that because other people aren't kind of given a way to interact safely in pods, they're just going to make a lot of bad choices. So I think if they had kind of thought through the implications of forcing people off campus where there is less monitoring, like frat houses, what's going to happen? Lots of terrible things. <laughs> it's already happening on other campuses. Complicated by the fact that UChicago refuses to acknowledge frats. And so and maybe stuff goes down in frat houses and the university goes, what frat houses? You should go to them. How about you? Uh, like, wish list for admin? I would ask that Zimmer recognize how much influence the university has on the surrounding area, proven by, you know, we have a Jules now. We have a Trader Joe's. It, we're very, I was going to say very slowly, but we're very quickly gentrifying this area. So, I mean, my wish list would be for the university to kind of like make a, a partnership with Mac Apartments or other large property management just to help control the um, rent around the area or like just make sure that everyone gets housing and that we're not just, you know, making sure the University of Chicago students are good and then, you know, wh whoever has to move out or get sick, we don't care about that. That would be like the dream but since that is pretty far that's pretty radical IMO even just like the university pro providing services for the neighborhood um, including like maybe free testing at University of Chicago med let's just worry about profits after the pandemic is over because right. like we've heard in every email unforeseen times the new normal blah 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 let's just um, make sure that 
people are taken care of before you worry about the dollar sign. Right. And I know that, that admin are taking some pay cuts, but it's also like Chicago has a nest egg. You know, we're not, we're not an institution that's worried about not being able to function because of an economic downturn during a pandemic. We have wealthy donors, we have wealthy alumni. And so I certainly understand that impulse of just like, why, why not support the community that we talk so much about supporting and being a part of. Um, and East Chicago does talk a lot about, about being in the South side, regardless yeah. of how it actually makes good on that community membership or, or, or maybe doesn't make good on it. And yeah, particularly I, with so many like protests to not only defund CPD, but also UCPD. There are so many funds that the university is kind of funneling into things that it doesn't need and just allowing uh, other people to get hurt. So I would just, you know, ask that the university use its political, social, economic power to help people who have less. My hope is that that's how we create a University of Chicago that is able to thrive not just through the pandemic, but for decades to come is by supporting this random community, by supporting students, by supporting that staff, and by having a reputation as a school that treated people well during the pandemic. I remember that in the spring, there was a lot of giving from UChicago from like, I think there was like a lot of food donations and sort of like charitable work with the South Side right when the pandemic hit. And there was some good press coverage about it for the university. And so I think, I know I didn't ask myself this question, but I definitely hope that that wasn't just for press coverage and that that's something that continues because the pandemic wasn't just in March when the papers were gonna cover what the school was doing, but is, but is ongoing. Yeah, I think the only, the, the, the other sort of big question I had was if there's something that you feel like hasn't been addressed by the university, it doesn't have to be sex ed or frats, although those were two things that have come up, that you really want to know about or have questions about for the fall and that you want students to be on the lookout for an announcement about, man, this is something that's going to be a big deal and the university hasn't said anything about it. Something that comes to mind for me is definitely like safety precautions for staff, for front desk folks in the, in the dorms and for janitorial staff. But what about you guys? I think for me, I really want to know what additional supports are going to be provided for students like emotionally because everyone there's so much going on right now just beyond the pandemic Um, and students are going to be really dealing with a lot coming onto campus and being away from home and not having the supports and that's going to be hard and the RAs can't take all of that I can guarantee that if every kid feels like they need to just go to their RA because they can't really talk to other people that much the RAs are all just going to be a mess um, and not be able to support anyone so I really want to hear how the university is getting more counselors and psychologists and uh, making like more accessible counseling and providing mental health services that maybe they were hesitant to provide before, like actually providing therapy. So for people who can't afford to go off campus and I I just, they've never been great at communicating about that. So I don't know why I am optimistic now, but I feel like this is such an important component that if they don't, do it they're just everyone's gonna be really unhappy there that's a really great point i uh while you're saying that it brought up the idea of like what happens when a student dies what is even the game plan do you just like send an email like send a a mass email to everyone be like oh sorry someone died see you at 8 a.m in hume tomorrow 
I, I guess I would like to see their worst case scenario game plan in case like maybe there's a really huge outbreak on campus or God forbid, again, <laughs> I know we said it didn't have to be uh, sex and frats, but if there is a frat party and it gets 30 people sick, those 30 people who got sick, like they have been going to classes. So now you have 150 people who are sick. And and I know that this is like a problem that all schools are going through and it's going through everyone's minds, but. Yeah, I mean, I think we just heard that something like 40 kids at USC on frat row got sick. And so it's, it's not outside their own possibility. And it is really scary. I think the, something I think about is that students are, you know, relatively young and they're likely to, not have the same health complications as older folks. And I just, I think that that means that we could be seeing so many asymptomatic cases where people aren't pulled out of classes and aren't, you know, pulled out of other engagements with people and that's how it spreads. But also, you know, even if we don't see a student death, that's like our staff and professors median age is probably up there where it's a lot riskier than it is for students. And so it's, it's just thinking about those community members. And I, I hate to leave us on such a, grim note but at the same time I think it would feel bad to do forced optimism because it's a time when people are really stressed and you know I hope that you folks are both going to be in Chicago during the fall yes yeah okay well I won't be seeing you in person anytime soon but I hope that we all have a good fall and are able to find some joy um I guess to, to leave it on a slightly more positive note could you share something that you're feeling I don't know how to be excited about for the fall, like something that you think, something that you love about UChicago that might not be changed. I guess this, I, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I'm honestly excited for classes again. I think something that I've kind of struggled with during quarantine is this lack of structure. And I really love the structure that classes provide. And I'm honestly really excited just to get to learn and have really interesting discussions with people again oh actually i have an even better answer now i don't know that much about it really there's this exoterra game that's gonna go on um, online yeah Yeah. and i i heard about it and i think i just love this idea of creating this world where everyone from chicago can kind of come together and bring in their passion and share what they've really been working on and thinking about for their whole lives. Like I, I've always wanted a chance to work on the education system and redesign it. But how do you redesign the education system? Well, if you get to start from scratch, then that's, that's your time. So I feel like this is going to be everyone's time to really bring their passion to the table. Yeah. And for a little context, um, Exoterra is a, I I don't know very much about it, a role playing game sci-fi spaceship maybe where you should (laughs) work together this fall um to invent a future so that's really exciting lauren what about you i have to tell you as a graduate who is just facing the real adult world in the time of covid (laughs) i cannot wait for all my university friends to come back because i feel like out in the city as this young professional now and it's hard to make friends when you can't when I can't go to like my dance classes or go rock climbing or go to bars. So it's been uh, a little hard to exist without all of my college friends. So I can't wait for everyone to come back, even if we have to sit on the quad 20 feet apart. Yeah, I forgot that, that you're a recent grad, but um, i glad you'll be in the city and, and able to, to, to be with you Chicago folks. For me, it's definitely 
I've written about this for the Marine, but honestly, maybe my favorite part of East Chicago is climbing the trees on campus. And obviously mask wearing will be important and I'll try and make sure that there's, you know, there's not usually anyone in a tree I want to climb because East Chicago students aren't so, you know, this isn't, this isn't like Colorado State. We're not outdoorsy in the traditional sense. <laughs> so we I have exactly hopeful. one green space. <laughs> I'm hopeful I'll still be able to climb trees on the quad even during a pandemic. And that's, that's, that's keeping me going. And Exoterra, that should be exciting. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you so much, Amara, for our inaugural Viewpoints News Joint Podcast. Um, you two are amazing. And thank you for, you know, the work that you've both done to support students from an RA perspective, from an organizer perspective. You know, I know we're entering uncertain times, but folks like you on campus, it really makes a difference to have uh, students who care about other students and who care about Hyde Park and, and take care of our community. So thank you for coming and thank you for your work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys can both do plugs for, yeah. yeah. Sure, so um, if you are living in Mac uh, in the next year, or even if not, we also have a Tenants United, which is just general tenants from Hyde Park and Woodlawn. You can follow Mac Tenants United on Twitter at Mac Tenants, find us on Facebook, um, and you can find Tenants United Hyde Park Woodlawn on Facebook as well. Reach out to us if you ever need help and help support your neighborhood. If you're interested on in coming on a Zoom call with us, we're having a Hyde Park Tenant Town Hall on Saturday, August 22nd. You can find info in our Facebook event. I guess one last message to anyone who's living in housing is please be aware that your RAs are people too who are struggling in this just as much as you are and they are there for you though no matter like no matter what you are worried about if you're worried that they're gonna like tell on you or something don't worry they want to support you 100% thank you all for listening as always I'm Isaac and I was joined by my co-hosts Ram, Beza, and Ruby we will see you next time. Music for the podcasts was produced in part by Aaron Senden, Andrew Dietz, Kenny Talbot-LaVega, and Zach Trani.